Hey everyone, it is Daichi Han Miller, and we are here with episode 80 of uh, Kudan Podcast. And I thought I'd start this off with a little bit of a story. Everybody likes stories, right? Okay, once upon a time, there was a guy named Jeffy. No, anyway, um, <laughs> I'll say sometime about the, the story about uh, a year and a half ago when I broke my back and uh, I was just in this major freaking haze because, I mean, I was just in pain and in and out of consciousness and all that. They uh, admitted me to the hospital. And, um, in this, in this fog, right? Cause they had me pumped up with pain meds and all that in this fog. Um, they, uh, uh, I, I heard the, the nursing team, uh, discussing little things about me. They write it on the board so everybody knows who this person is and what the issue is and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden I hear the charge nurse say, um, and he prefers to be called Jeffy and like, I snapped out of this. I don't know how I did it. I just snapped out of this, right? And I look over, and there's my wife giggling, right? And I said, Jeffy, shit, right? And she's laughing. And they were all confused now because she had said it with such a straight face, right, um, that uh, they thought it was all, you know, on the up and up. And suddenly that got erased from the board. And all, Anyway, so um, my wife is both my biggest fan and um, probably going to be the reason that I end up dying from some accident, right? So if I ever die and there's not an apparent reason, look to Angela Miller. So <laughs> now people are going to be thinking, oh, is that one of these like uh, investigation ID things? Anyway, all right. So that wasn't a story I wanted to tell you. That just popped into my head. I had a little ADD moment. Anyway, um, I remember a long time ago, um, I remember I was in one of my teacher's classes and um, he's uh, he was a former Marine. And, you know, I was a military policeman at the time. I can't remember if I was still active duty or not. I might have just been fresh out. But anyway, uh, so we're, we're having this discussion with, with several other students. And um, somehow we got on the topic of, like, what was so cool about, you know, needed to, right? And everybody's talking about how it's the best, it's the best, and, and this. And somebody else, you know, was talking about uh, – um, <laughs> Jason, get your ass back to class, and we'll talk about Jeffy. Anyway, uh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, and uh, it just kind of kept going, right, about uh, why it was best, and somebody else would bring up this other martial art, and uh, yeah, but, yeah, but. And, and um, my teacher kind of looks over, and he says, so what's, what's your take? I said, you know what my take is. My take is the same as yours, right? My take is before I found this stuff, I was looking for something very, very specific, right? And I went through a boatload of things, right? And um, uh, when I found it, it seemed to have everything I was looking for, right? I had no idea what this thing was called, right? So anyway, now it has a name and, you know, I'm involved in the lineage and all that kind of stuff, right? I said, but I looked around at everybody. I said, look, I got involved in this for a very specific reason, right? And so far, this art has proven itself to me. But if a day ever comes that I find something that works better than this, tomorrow I'll be doing that. Okay? We'll talk about more of this when we come back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world. 
How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded... Well, that was... Anyway, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. If not, you would think you won't be Anyway, uh, so uh, what I was going to say before I had that one issue uh, is that's still my story, and I'm going to stick to it. Anyway, all right, so... Um, uh, I, one of the things that I've discovered I've uh, not just been training, but also have been teaching, right? Um, it is amazing. On, on one side, it's a really, really good thing, right? It's amazing how loyal people can be to uh, whatever martial art or self-defense they're doing, right? Even when there's other things that are very, very similar or whatever, they think they kind of have a, have a you know, handle on the truth, right, kind of thing, right? Um, but they're, they're like, just viciously loyal, which on one side is very, very cool, right? But the reality is that a very, very high percentage of students did not go looking for the art they found or the system that they found. And if they did, it was because somebody, dad, uncle, friend, my brother's college roommate's uncle's second neighbor, two houses, whatever, you know, you know what I mean? Um, and so, but, but they didn't know anything. They, they, they don't know the difference between one system and another. They couldn't, they couldn't tell you the difference if they tripped over it. Right. Um, and, and it's no different now with the, with the, with the, uh, with the internet, right. And all the, all the uh, research you could be doing because who knows what the hell you're going to find, right? But anyway, um, so they either found it because they were looking, mentioned it to a certain person, and that person said, oh, this is the best. You got to do this. Uh, you know, that's uh, nothing can beat it. Okay, oh, shit. I want something that can't be beaten. So I'm going to go do that, right? Um, but, you know, there's just as many that, that found, found it because um, – Dojo on the way home from work. It was the one closest. It was the dojo in their town. It was the whatever, right? Um, I know because uh, when I first started in the martial arts, uh, I was um, in then called junior high school, right? Old guys like me, right? We had something cool called junior high school. We weren't like Malcolm in the middle school, right? Um, and there was an after school program, karate club, and um, so I jumped into that, right? Uh, I was looking for exactly those terms that I use now when I'm, I'm talking to people and, and people can self-identify because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for uh, confidence, they're looking for power, uh, personal empowerment, power over their life, you know, that kind of stuff. And they're looking for control, right? Um, and, and often they're in positions where they don't feel like they're family, um, Dictates, right? You're going to do this. You're going to have this kind of a career. You're going to work for the family business. Uh, you know, you're a blue collar worker. That's what we do, right? We're not going to be one of those, uh, 
those uh, schmucks over there that make all that money and you know, whatever, right? Uh, we're not going to be management, whatever, right? Um, so they can feel stuck that way. They can feel stuck for a, a lot of a lot of reasons, but they, they don't feel like they have uh, enough control, right? Um, uh, but anyway, so uh, they, they, you know, they, they, it's kind of like the easy thing, right? Um, not quite a McDojo, right? Where they're going to pull up to the drive-through window and order checking 26, pay 15, 20 bucks or whatever, and then pull up the window too, get punched in the face and video for it and go to hell home, right? Uh, it's not quite like that, but it, it's amazing how we human beings can take disjointed things, right? Options and choices and things like that and hit our head, like either immediately over time and a certain amount of time, right? Take this disjointed kind of thing and stretch it out like it's well, of course it's a dot to dot timeline, right? And then ego jumps in and convinces us that, you know, what we're doing is right because, well, shit, we're a good person, right? And we're a certain workers all of our lives. I wouldn't be doing this thing if it wasn't the right thing, right? You can all remember that, right? And if not, um, find a new uh, and do some exploration until you figure out what BS, you tell yourself to get in your own way, you're never, ever going to, you're never going to be able to, at the degree you need to, um, handle other people's manipulative shit coming in your direction, unless it's the big obvious stuff, right? But by the time that stuff's coming at you, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about deep level manipulative bullshit, right? Um, but until you understand what motivates you and how you make, um, decisions for out of laziness or those kind of things, right? You have no idea to the degree uh, to which manipulation occurs, right? And that's part of the, it's part of the, the one uh, training area in the ninja's uh, eight gates, right? The ninja no Hachimon, the ninja no uge, right? Which conventionally translated is deception and, uh, deception and manipulation, right? Which often sounds very bad to people, right? But uh, I was just explaining this. Uh, I don't know if it was the last episode of this or to one of my, uh, long distance training groups where um, we all do this, right? If you're a parent, right? Uh, if you told your kid that there's a Santa Claus and you do that kind of thing, right? That's deception, right? Um, but what you're trying to do is use their conceptualization processes to help them be good, right? By the time they're what? Somewhere between four and six years old, they know how far you're willing to go. So we need these little helpers and adjustments. But it helps with creative thinking, right? And then yeah, there's a little bit of a disappointment when we find out that Santa Claus isn't real, but if your parents are fairly enlightened, right, they're going to give that lesson that yeah, Santa Claus is real, right? Santa Claus is just not this thing that's more like a cartoon character for a little kid. You're a grown-up now, right? Santa Claus is an aspect of ourselves, right? This compassionate part of ourselves that gives without uh, reason, right? Gives without a need to get something back, right? Uh, in in Nikyo, we call that a bodhisattva, right? Someone who does what they do because it's the right thing to do, um, and they get nothing in return, right? There's nothing. There's not even like a warm, cool feeling of you know feeling good because you gave or anything like that. It's just this need to be done, right? And it's not without emotion, right? Now, don't take it that way, but it's not that ego accountant playing numbers games, right? Um, and you know when that happens, right? I'm sure you've heard people like this, right? They'll get a gift and go, well, I'll be damned if I give them something like I gave them the last time. The, the gift I gave them was worth X, Y, Z, and I, this is what I get? 
Oh shit. See, that's keeping, that's keeping score, right? There's no gratitude in it, right? There's fake gratitude because what? You know, as long as, as long as the ledger, it, you know, breaks even, it's all good, right? Uh, if it doesn't break even, then, you know, there's hell to pay kind of thing, right? But anyway, so the, the, the point of this is that, um, people tend to, to, uh, uh, you know, gravitate to martial arts or whatever and then get really, really stuck in it because that's what ego does, right? Um, but in, in reality, right, the one that they found was an accident, right? Um, now, it was an accident that made them feel good, right? They didn't feel like, uh, this guy was going to hurt me or, I mean, maybe, maybe they were looking for, you know, the, the tough guy school and they found the tough guy school. Maybe they went to three other schools and it was, Pussies are, are lame and, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, whatever, right? This guy, you know, bloodied my lip the first day. Oh, yeah, I want to train with him, right? Okay. And maybe you got somebody else who settled on a more, um, I don't know, a softer approach, right? Because they've been to some other ones and, you know, they got hurt and couldn't go to work for a day or two, right? They had to recover. And they're, now one of their criteria is I got to be able to go to work, right? I got to be able to feed my family. I can't do that there, right? So, and we all have our things, right? Um, what I think is missing though, that, that, and this is not me ringing my bell. This is just, if you've been following since episode 68, you know what my criteria was, right? Um, my experience growing up, right? Um, my parental units, uh, specifically one of them, but the other one was no support, right? Um, taught me how bad, uh, People that are supposed to protect you can treat you, right? Um, and then, then you know, an attempt to fix that problem, right? Because um, every every solution to a problem creates another problem. People I know, human beings are looking for this utopic thing, right? Oh, if I have that, oh, everything will be fixed. Uh, no, no, there'll be another one, right? There's always a next stage. That's part of growth, right? If anything stagnates, then you're not freaking growing. So, um. Uh, so, um, some of you guys are leaving questions and all that. I'll, I promise I'll get to those. Um, but, um, then, so, you know, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to become a police officer, right? That'll, that way I can catch these people, right? That are, uh, hurting other people, right? That, that, you know, I want to be able to protect one. I want to be safe myself. I, I never want to live in that kind of fear again, but, I also want to protect other people from those monsters, right? Um, and then I become a police officer and I really get a lesson, right? As to how deeply and how thoroughly and how aggressively human beings can each other, treat each other, treat each other, treat each other, kill each other, right? Um, and this, this went way farther than what I had. Um, I don't mean farther as in like these people were more aggressive than my stepfather. He did threaten me and my siblings with a knife once, and probably the bravest thing my mom ever did was put a belt in that butcher knife in the kitchen. But um, uh, so what, what it what it showed me was the breadth, right? All these other things that I had never experienced, and and my God, right? This is you know, 
And so um, then that produces a problem, right? Because I can't be everywhere at once, right? Um, I mean, police officers. Everybody would literally have to be a police officer to have police protection, right? Um, but anyway, so that became a big problem, right? And, and it finally hit me, right, that now I've been doing this all, all along. I've been doing my own training, right? Started out for, uh, you know, my own safety, right? And then as a police officer and graduating from Thursday's class at 3 o'clock. I don't know what day it was or what certain time it was, right? But I remember having two or three afternoons of, uh, of training, right, in police school. And then this one day we, the third day was like, here's a test, right? We talked to these six techniques, whatever, over the last couple of days, uh, you have to demonstrate that you get certified. Um, I wouldn't say the techniques are bullshit, right? because anything can work under the right context or under the right, uh, in, in the right situation. Um, but what I came to see, based on my own experience, was that they were more of a CYA for the government, for the police department, for started federal, right? Uh, it was more of a CYA. If you don't know what CYA means, you cover your ass, right? It was for them. So they could say that we were trained, right? Uh, but yeah. So that just convinced me even more that I had to go out and get more of my own training. But what I had that I don't think a lot of people have, that most people have, right? Most people do people are raised. I know kids think their parents are mean and give them what they want. You know, whatever, right? We all as parents we'll all fail at some point, right? Commit the ultimate sin and they won't talk to you. So, but, um, uh, what, uh, what I believe based on, you know, the way I've seen most people, right? Even, uh, and most people don't have it as hard as they think they have. Right? They don't think they have it as hard as they think they have, right? If somebody was trying to beat, break, or kill you while you were growing up, you stop complaining about your parents, right? And besides that, if you're over the age of 18 or 21, you stop blaming your parents for you, you know, them in your face on a regular basis, right? You know, you didn't learn certain lessons. Go fucking here's my life. go find a mentor that will teach you the lesson, right? Sitting around and wallowing in your own self pity um, is not well. It is successful from a Nikio standpoint. Everything is successful, right? If you're bored and you won't do anything about it, congratulations, you're successfully done, right? If you're lazy, then you're successfully lazy. Uh, if you're a whiner victim, then you're a successful whiner. If you think, speak, and act. As that thing, then congratulations, you're successfully that thing. If that's not what you want to be, then you have to stop doing the shit that produces that that stick. But anyway, um, anyway, so um, but I, I found that these, you know, most people had a fairly decent life growing up, right? So because I've been broke, because I've been beaten, because I've been threatened, and then as a police officer, right? Um, it got even worse, right? Um, I knew what I was looking for, okay? And there were all these names, right? There's a catalog of names. How many martial arts are there, right? Uh, if you just look at Kung Fu, between the Northern and Southern styles, in China itself, I believe that there are 81,000 distinctly different systems, okay? So I love it when somebody goes, when, I, when they say it's pretty Kung Fu, I say, oh, that's cool. And they go, oh, oh. Anyway. Um, 
right? So, um, uh, I had this, right? So, you know, I, yeah, I, I jumped around to a lot of martial arts. You can go uh, a couple of different versions of uh, Kung Fu, uh, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, um, uh, a couple of different forms of Karate, Goju-Do, uh, Shotokan, a um, bunch of things, right? Taekwondo, uh, just a, a slathering of these things, right? And, um, they, I mean, I, I gave them all a really good shot and, um, they all, there's just things about them that didn't mesh, but because I didn't know about anything else, right? I just, I just decided I was going to, you know, do this thing. And then, um, I ended up, uh, you know, discovering this thing kind of in a backwards way. Right. And it was even, I was even resisting it. Right. Because my, my first impressions, right. Mask guys, um, and then most of you know the story, right? I ended up reading this magazine article, excerpt from one of these books, and I got two, three paragraphs in and said, oh shit, this is it. But it didn't stop me from testing things, right? So, uh, because a healthy dose of, uh, Doubt, right? It's, it's, it's a good thing, right? Uh, but anyway, so I don't believe that most people have that. I think most people have fears or concerns, and they want to have that taken care of. Um, this is on the self-defense side, right? If, if they're just on the, I want to learn a martial art, and I want to be this, like, woo-woo, uh, mystic master kind of thing, then that, that's a whole different storyline. That wasn't that wasn't mine, and it still isn't mine. Right? That's, not, that's not my journey, right? And did not do as well with those kind of students um, because I tend to talk too much about survival and those kind of things. It's not that I dismiss uh, all those other things, right? I, I and, you know, involved Fuji work and, and all that stuff, right? Um, I just don't just jump right there with somebody who wants to talk about that because what I found is that most of those people um, want to get in touch with something that's ethereal, but it's not grounded in our existence as human beings, right? Uh, it's like they remove something. And, uh, and again, I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm going to get involved in arguments with that. Uh, if somebody has the same amount of time, research, experience, and all that that I do, uh, we can have a conversation. But as soon as I realize that that's not happening, then I, I tell them, okay, you win. Whatever it is you want to do. And why would you be having, why would you be wasting your time having an argument with me, with me when you could just go have your own students? Right? But that's a whole skill set in itself, right? Finding, keeping, and maintaining a student body, um, so that you can still give yourself the title of teacher. Right? Everybody knows the union, right? Everybody knows the complimenting opposite, right? For somebody to say that they're a teacher, but they don't have any students, they're not a teacher. They're a, Maybe an advanced level practitioner, but to be a teacher, you have to have students. To be a student, you actually have to be learning something. A lot of people still call themselves students, but they haven't learned something new in a very long time. So there are these. Anyway, so uh, but I really do believe that that people 
and it's not that they don't want to learn, right? But th this is why there's a huge drop off, right? People are told this is the best or whatever. Um, and then you know, they go and they start training. And then they suddenly realize that it's not meeting their expectations. Um, now, not meeting their expectations self-defense wise is one thing, right? You go into a class and believe that you know, you like the floor with the instructor. Um, there's one or two problems going on. Either you're not as good as you think you are, and you might not want to step up, or you are as good as you think you are, and they're not very good. But in either case, you need a different teacher, right? In either case. Right? Um, so anyway, but, but getting back to this, this thing, right? Um, I got involved in this art because I was looking for something very specific, survival, but it also had to do with use of force, liability kind of things, things that were grander than just being the tough guy on the block who could beat everybody else up, right? Because I also understood that we live in a social construct and we can't help the law, right? And we should all be glad that that's there because otherwise we have uh, vendettas and Revenge, mafia family, you know, uh, drive-bys and stuff like that all the time. Uh, the reason why gang and, and mafia cultures are subcultures is not that close. Um, but, uh, there's, there's this thing, right, where I was looking for this thing, right? I had no idea what it was called, right? And then I read this stuff and I'm like, oh, Okay, so look into this. Right? Again, remember, I've been beaten, broken, threatened, and stabbed to death when I was six, seven, something like that. Right? Um, my parents were having an argument. My mom was whatever, whatever. Quality person, and said, "I'll take it." Kitchen, grab a big old butcher knife and came back and said, I'll chop them up and throw them in a freaking trash can. That'll solve the problem, then you won't have any problems. So, a cool, peaceful life I grew up with. Anyway, so, um, but people have these fears, they have these concerns, but they don't have, they don't have a first-hand understanding of what it is that they're trying to themselves from and about what they need as a part of the skill set they're trying to learn. Like this is a big, this is a big premise in the book that I wrote called the Karate Myth, and I teach I do it. Uh, some people like the Karate Myth, and some people like the title uh, 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 Science of Self-Defense. But the premise is the Karate Myth, and what the Karate Myth is is the belief in our culture that because somebody wears a black belt, that they're Qualified to teach you how to protect yourself, right? The whole thing, right? And um, that couldn't be farther from the truth, right? Um, I'm not saying that these people aren't very, very skilled, right? Um, I wouldn't say that a high school wrestler couldn't defend themselves. What I'm saying is what they're doing or what their training approach or whatever is not necessarily designed for survival, right? For self protection, right? Designed to in a contest, right, within a certain rule set. But anyway, so, um, but I, again, I had this thing, right? And then because of this thing, right, anything I got involved in, right, I was always 
double checking, right? I was always playing devil's advocate. I was always asking very specific questions about teachers, right? And so, uh, you know, I, I can say that for a, a long while, right, in this art, uh, it had proven itself to me. But did it prove itself to me because I wanted it to be right? One of, the, one of the reasons that ego fights over things or argues over things or excuses and reinforces its way of doing things is because it's either gotten really good at that, right? And that gives it credibility, right? It gives it validity, right? It makes it special, right? Above everybody else, right? Or there's a little bit of fear going on in the background that has to do with it has to be right. So time, effort, money, resources, and all that that I pour into this, this has to be right, right? If it, if it isn't, then I'm back to square one, right? So, uh, Dan, I see the long diatribes you're putting in there, and I will get to them, but uh, I can't read and do this at the same time, so I'll get to them. So anyway, um, uh, I, I don't think people have a lot of that, right? So, you know, but at the same time, we have to recognize, too, that you know, are we looking for a skill set to handle very specific types of tasks, or are we looking just to feel more confident and powerful? Right? You need to get up in a martial arts class to feel that. Right? So, anyway. Um, but I hit a point in my training, right? Because again, remember what I said at the beginning, right? I'm doing this, and it's keep, it keeps proving itself to me. If I find something that does what I'm looking for better, I will be doing that tomorrow. My allegiance is to my goal, not to a brand name. And I know how that irritates the traditional people that are, you know, everybody's doing it the right way and all that. Okay, fantastic. Right? So, um, <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, what what is it that you know? What is it that you're looking for? But anyway, I, I sorry, I don't think it's um, so. At a certain point, right, I had to make sure that I wasn't just blindly believing in this thing, and what that meant was it had to be pressure tested. Right? And I, I found out later that, that some of my other friends in, in other parts of the world doing the same martial art. Um, we're doing the same thing, right? Where we took about a year off of our own training and went and trained with other people. Right? And I don't mean we trained with them to learn their stuff, because we had been doing that stuff before we even got involved in this multiple arts, right? Um, but um, what we did was we uh, got together with people from different arts, right? To, art, to try our stuff out. To see if we could make it fail. Right? And it did. Right? It did, right? But when we came away from it, what we realized was the art itself didn't fail. Our understanding of the application or whatever of certain things and giving context and all that, um, that's where we had to drop like provincial techniques and, and, and stuff like that, right? So, um, we, we came away with this whole other 
list of things to work on because not many people are willing to take that thing they think they got all wrapped up with a nice little bow and pressure test it to make sure that it can work. So, uh, that's what, right? But I, I truly do mean that, right? And at some point you see that, you know, I'm, I'm doing, well, if you see that I'm shutting this down because I'm doing something else, it's not because I jump around, right? And I, I don't have my eyes on it and it continues to, to prove itself. So, uh, but it is what it is, right? Uh, so let me do this. Let me jump over because, uh, some you're following the cat. You, you, somebody's on fire. So let me let me look through some of these questions and uh, see if there's anything. So let's see. Uh, kind of tiger says in the last episode you said the gaming chewing Joni used the ninja. No sir, that's not our man. That's not what I said. Okay? I said that traditional ninja families were made up of Junin, Jonin, Junin, and Gaming. Three hierarchical levels within every given clan. There's one Jonin, High Man, right, who decided who the uh, clan would align itself to, uh, what the ideals were. Uh, they were the, the forward face, but invisible, right? They were the ones that um, were hobnobbing with social and within the social structure and all that kind of stuff, right? So that form of Nijutsu looks very, very different from what most people are attracted to, right? The black clad swords, all that kind of stuff. The gaining, the low man, uh, the field operator, right? So there's the Jonin and then the Chunin are the field, basically like field commanders. So like M in the, in the World Seven Sword, right? They take the instructions from the Jonin, uh, about what we need information wise and all that kind of stuff. And then they pull gaining with uh, the right skill sets and they send these uh, folks out and they get the information back and then you know, through it, put it together. If there's any holes, it's something left out, get the information out of that hole and all that. And that's how between the, the Jonin and Tunin decisions get made. The hearing thing, right? Um, the beginning are the, are the pawns, right? They're the, the privates in the army, right? Um, so, no, they, that, I didn't say that the Gaming, tuning, and jumping, they're just different classes within the same clan, and therefore they each have their own type of ninjutsu that they're practicing. Everybody tries to think that there's just like one thing, one way, and whatever. So, uh, all right, so hey, my guy from Down Under is here. Um, Hi, Paul, how are you? Amazing what I have to do to get, uh, get you on a live, uh, train. Anyway, hopefully the schedule's working out and all that. Uh, let's see if we can get going. It's going well, right? Uh, I'm a self-mastery energy practitioner, open course. Okay. Fantastic. Congratulations. Um, let's see. I don't even know what that meant. But anyway, um, so I must not be in some way. Um, Jeffrey Fletcher. Jeff Fletcher. Holy cow. Uh, getting from Side note, the audio is periodically going muffled for a few seconds. I, I, yeah, I don't know what's going on, and I apologize. Uh, 
hopefully things will get ironed out. I even upgraded the, the package that we're using and stuff. So uh, I know we were having a problem with the onboard mic for my uh, laptop, and I switched to an external, so a little external mic that I'm using. Uh, but it could be that I, I need a new system. So I'll, I'll, I'll have my, my students that are IT guys help me in this stuff. So anyway, uh, yeah, focus on universal consciousness, incorporating Mintu, the five element structure, bioelectric magnetism, biofield systems, I need some amazing stuff with energy, combined together, negative I, I'm sorry, Dan, this, this is not my, this is not my thing. So, uh, Basically, I can take down any person that attacks me. Fantastic. Okay, so uh, uh, if you're using my platform to uh, tell everybody what you're doing, I suggest you do a podcast. All right. So, um, uh, facts. Let's see. Because at the moment, uh, all I see is a bunch of teaching about what you're doing, dude, and I'm not I'm not getting involved in this. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to stop politely, and if it doesn't happen, uh, I'm going to block you, and you won't be back on the show. So um, and don't post a flaming chat, because that's a guarantee. So do your thing. All right, uh, who else do I have? Um, Okay. So, anybody else uh, have anything? Any questions? Any comments? Uh, I know this has been rather short, but um, the, the big takeaway uh, for for this so far uh, is in having goals that you know that you're that you're looking to uh, that you're that you're looking to uh, goals or problems that you're looking to solve, and then make sure that. Not just the thing that you're doing, right? The brand name that you're doing. And I don't care what it is, right? Could be this, could be BJJ, could be whatever, right? Um, but it's, um, it's, uh, hmm. It's about problem solving. Think about the, st- the, the, the stuff that you're doing, right? The style that you're training in, I don't care if it's Bujinkan or Gendukan or, or like I said, Jiu-Jitsu, I don't care, right? But you need to see it as a solution to a problem. Otherwise, it's just a neat little pastime, right? What problems are you solving for yourself, right? Um, it's, it's, like I said, it's a solution to a problem, right? Um, if, um, if you're not, right, then... Like I said, it, beca- it becomes kind of it, you run the risk of it being like a groupy kind of thing, right? Uh, in my martial arts school, we call it the uh, mutual admiration society, right? Where as long as everybody's doing the same stuff and agreeing that okay, you can't punch a certain way, you can't kick a certain way, right? We do it this way. So this also talks about not just the the, the style that you're doing, right? But the way you're training, right? Is the way you're training matching what it is that you're looking for, right? I mean, that's obvious. Some people are looking to be like the grand poobah, know-it-all, whatever. When the reality is that we human beings um, can't know everything, right? And some of us can walk both the physical and the spiritual, right, without getting lost in some just far out whatever, right? So 
And here's the way to check the litmus test, right? If you really do know everything, right, then your life better be like a glowing aura, right? No problems. All you have to do is think or click your fingers and whatever it is that you want happens and materializes, right? Um, I, I have this one mentor that, uh, you know, somebody will bring up a yeah, but, or they'll talk about their thing and they'll go, really? Right? What's your life look like? Right? What's your bank account look like? What's, what does your, and it's not just about being materialistic, right? What's your relationships look like? Right? Um, how easy is it for you to make certain things happen? Right? What, how's your program working? Is really what he says, right? How's your program working? How's it working out for you? Right? Because it's one thing to have all this shit going on up here, right? And think that we're all tapped into the universal, right? But your life is a reflection of, of your internal world. What's going on out here is reflected in here, and what's in here gets reflected out there, right? So if everything's like perfect in here, then everything should be freaking perfect out there. And not just in the tiny little world, no matter where you go. Right? The Tibetan monks, when they got ousted from China, from uh, Tibet and they moved to uh, Britain or they moved here to the U.S. or Australia or whatever, right? This just didn't change. Okay? As a matter of fact, back in the 50s when it happened, right, they discovered something called eyeglasses. Right? I know. We take things like this for granted, right? But um, in a lot of the lineages, uh, even in the Shingo school in, in Japanese uh, Ikkyo, uh, one of the first mantras that a student is given is supposed to develop memory to a very high degree, right? So that the student from that point forward can memorize the sutras. Because remember, they were only written or transmitted orally, right? Um, they didn't have copying machines and all that kind of stuff. So you had to be able to do these things, right? And you had to be able to, if you were doing a certain practice or whatever, you had to be able to just do it from memory, right? And the, the mantra for the memory development, I think it's called the... Sun disc meditation or something like that. Um, it was developed because the human body ages and breaks down and their eyesight would deteriorate to where they couldn't read the scrolls. They couldn't read the teaching. They couldn't read uh, the mantra of the sutra or whatever, right? They couldn't read it, right? Their, eye, their, their eyesight would be shot, but they wanted the ability to be able to do things beyond blindness, right? So before we just latch onto one of these things and go, oh, see, this is magical. Uh, no, that was an expedient, right? So anyway, uh, let's see. Tigers, uh, sorry, rephrase. In the last episode, you said the Genin, Chunin, Jonin used the Ninja no Hachimon differently. How does a Jonin use Ninja no Ken differently from Genin? Um, well, think about what they'd be using it for, right? On some levels, things are the same. Like the uh, in the Togakure school, we have the um, the uh, nine cuts or the nine cutting patterns, right? Um, and so th these were ways to take advantage of a longer sword with a shorter sword using certain actions that could send something out, create an opening, and then be able to move in, right? So on that, you know, from that perspective, not a lot, right? But again, in Right. How might they need to use a sword? Right. What might they be facing? It's my take that um, the Jonin, right, would probably be defending him or herself. In this case, sorry, girls, um, it was a male-dominated society. 
not my not my fault. You blame the mesh interior community too. Um, so it um, they would probably just have uh, a wakizashi or uh, a shoto, right? The the short sword, right? Uh, and some of these families, right, had a forward facing samurai version, right? In our nine schools, right? Now I can't prove this beyond a shadow of a doubt because I wasn't there, right? But me and some of my historian friends, more them than me, I just got ride the coattails of giants sometimes, right? But these guys did a lot of historical research and found that it's quite likely that the Gyokushin view, one of our nine schools in the Bujinkan, one of the three ninja lineages, was actually a backdoor ninja side to the Gyoko view, okay? First kanji for both schools is the same, okay? Gyoko view, okay? It's Gyokuto is the way it's written, Gyokuto, but there's this linguistic contraction. Uh, and then Gokshin, right? And and the, the histories are very, very, uh, very similar, right? So it's quite likely that, uh, you know, the, the Jonin, right? They, they were allowed out in society and the hobnob with the bigwigs and all that, right? You had to be influential and you had to be of certain pedigree or certain families or whatever. So it wasn't like they were letting the head of a ninja clan into their circles. That just, you know, these are... Ninja are ninja, right? They're criminals. They're, they're the underclass. They're or whatever, right? They're not samurai. So the Jonin had to be, right? Again, you do some, you know, do some of the history work, right? But think about the context, right? I've often asked questions like this to, to my teachers and they'll go, you've been around long enough, you know, think about this, right? Stop thinking about how this guy would use it as opposed to how this guy would use it. And think about the situations they would find themselves in and the context that they were in. Okay. This Jonin, right, went to some lord's castle because he was in this mix and, you know, in the, in the party, so to speak, right? Even if he had a long sword, he was going to have to check it at the door, just like everybody else, right? He would be limited to a Tanto or a Jite or a Wakazashi, Shoto, whatever they called it in, in particular regions or, or uh, eras, right? But you know what I mean, the short sword, right? Because what it did was it allowed you to maintain your honor to be able to protect yourself, but it handicapped you against the bodyguards of the person who ran the castle because their people were carrying 36-inch razor blade, right? So they had advantage, they had reach, they had, you know, naginata or spear or the, you know, Katana or whatever, right? So what would they have to have dealt with, right? And then think about that, right? Think about um, how, here's here's one. Think about how you would use a Kubatan keychain um, as an executive in a Fortune 500, Fortune 100, Fortune 1000 corporation, right? As a consultant going in to deal with C-suite level people, right? As opposed to how you would use it, uh, working on the line at Nissan, uh, putting cars together. Okay. And I don't mean just using it. Start with how you're going to carry it. Okay. Cause there's certain folks in certain occupations or in certain regions or in certain self identified kind of social classes and all that, that, you know, a Kubaton keychain, this metal bar hanging off their keys, on their belt blends right in, right? Now imagine the VP of research for a major corporation walking into a meeting, ka-ching, 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 all this shit hanging off his belt, 
probably wouldn't even make it to that uh, that level. Regardless of what we think about fairness or his ability or whatever, there's a certain look and air that we all expect that somebody would have that. Otherwise, we all wouldn't have um, uh, names that we, we use like a uh, stuffed shirt and I'm not, I'm not being the shirt and tie or the suit and tie guy or whatever, right? So, um, you know, when I go, I, I have a, uh, I don't have a Kubaton keychain anymore because uh, TSA takes that stuff away from me, right? But there's this really cool thing. Uh, didn't bring my keys to my office with me. Um, I think it's called a key safe, but I'll, I'll have to post this out uh, at some point. And I'll probably do a review on it, right? My wife got me one of these things at one point, and I thought, oh, that's a Kubaton, even though it's not, right? And I don't mean it's a bar that's shaped differently so that they can sell more because now it's a ninja Kubaton or it's a woman self-defense Kubaton or it's a whatever, right? Uh, no, this is like two flat pieces of metal that mirror up on, on, on each other, right? And then there are these fittings that go, uh, and, and, a, and a bolt that goes through each side, right? And you put your keys in on either side and they kind of go in and they fold into it. Now, they don't always fold like flat, but they fold into it and then you end up with this bar, right? But then your keys can flip out and you can do your thing, right? So you don't have this bar hanging off of your keychain with your keys. You have the bar in your hand because the key you're using is gonna flip out and the bar is actually part of the working mechanism, right? So uh, that goes through TSA no problem, right? Because it's not a weapon. It's not a recognized kind of thing. It's a key keeper. They flip it around. They might be looking for, sometimes I carry one of these uh, uh, key knives, right? It looks like a key. You also look at it really, really closely, and there's a little pen knife blade that can pop out of it, right? No, they might look for things like that, but very rarely, right? I toss that in, they see a keychain, they just move it down the line, right? Um, but when I'm going in for a corporate gig, right, I'm not, not carrying even that, right? I'll tuck my, my keys in my briefcase, right? Because uh, I don't want them clanging around. I don't want this big bulge in my pocket. I, I need to go in and be perceived as a partner with the C-suite people, and I'm there to help them solve a problem, right? Not going in being some security thug that they're hiring to fix, uh, you know, a drunk employee problem or whatever, right? So in that case, right, uh, I have a couple of um, more than a little bit expensive, right, uh, metal shank pens. And I don't mean the, the self-defense pens where you pop the thing off and there's a blade in it. You get caught with this shit, you go to jail or, or you know, you get kicked out or in that case, I, I can't help anybody or whatever, right? No, I mean like a good Parker pen or just a bunch of different brands, right? That you can use like a like a Kubaton, right? Not just for stabbing, but you can lever, you can you can apply you know uh, pressure and things. Do I have anything here? Uh, oh, maybe my well, I'll use something big here. Chopsticks. Right? Chopsticks make good Kubaton, right? So if I hold the pen this way and I'm applying pressure, right? Uh, you know, using a big uh, these plastic pens or whatever, right? They're gonna fold. They're gonna bend. So you don't get the same kind of leverage, right? So, but just use something like that, and you know, how would they, how would they even carry it, let alone use it, right? So think about that. There's more aspects than just the cutting, stabbing, drawing, whatever, right? You've got to start way, way back. How do you carry something, right? How do you carry a weapon as a ninja, and not have somebody pay attention to it? How do you? move and do things in such a way that they can't see you draw, that they can't see you um, do what it is that you're doing, right? That was that was a huge lesson that I got from uh, from teachers uh, way, way back, that 
you know, fighting skills are fighting skills, right? I mean, throws and, and all that, right? And the, and the things that most people get up up front, right? Here in the Bujinkan, you know that there's this there's this Budo Taijutsu and there's this Ninpo Taijutsu, right? And there's this freaking argument about which is which, right? Um, and that's maybe that's another one for a different episode. So we'll, no, I'm not going to do that, right? But anyway, there's this obvious stuff, right? And then, like, everything in ninjutsu is a variation of the the standard warrior skills. So you have to know those before you can do the other thing, right? Um, but what I was taught very early on is if he can see what you're doing, not only can he defend against it, he can evade, he can counter it, right? All that kind of stuff, right? But if he can see it, if it's obvious that you're doing what it is that you look like you're doing, then that's Budo. Right? Not that Nimpo is not Budo, right? But that's overt warrior fighting skills, right? What makes Nimpo or what makes Nidzu Nidzu is you cannot see what you're doing when you're doing it. You will not see the cut that gets it. Right? You can't see you draw the weapon. None of that, right? You can't see the punch that's coming because of your use of blind spots and, and, and things like that, right? So uh, what I was always taught was if he can see what you're doing, not only can he defend against it, not only can he counter it, not only can he, even if it's just an autonomic flinch response, right? But it's not needed to. Right? The people need to step one, from my perspective, people need to stop calling needed to or things needed to that isn't, right? Um, but they want to be doing it so badly that, uh, you know, anyway. So, um, again, this is not a sword course or whatever, but that would be, uh, would be something we can talk about uh, some other time, right? But think about start start by thinking about the context in which it would be used, because that's how ninja ninja skills, ninja weapons, ninja uh, anything was developed, right? Context, okay? Yeah, we've got a shorter blade, but the tsuka, the handle, the same length as a katana, right? The scabbard, same length, right? So I'm going to be dealing with somebody who, you know, really really good. So how do I get the drop on this guy? Well, I get a two-thirds length blade to come out of the scabbard faster than his does. That gives me some speed. But I can't carry a shorter sword because if he can see the length of my blade, then he knows my distance. He knows pretty much what the timing is. There's a lot that he knows if he knows his stuff, right? There's a reason why... Uh, I teach uh, new students. Let me back away here just a little bit. I have a whole bunch of stuff down here. Let me borrow my chopsticks again, right? So I teach new students, right, to do this daijodan no kamai. I know, short sword, right? Anyway, with a, with a sword, right, here, right, in the beginning, and I teach advanced students to drop the blade to here, but I tell new students, don't do that because you've got to bring it to here anyway, and this is where the cut starts, Right? So I'm trying to get them to get something to happen much quicker. Right? Well, why, why would I have freaking seniors do that? Well, you, you, when I, when I was back there, you told me not to put it here because I have to get it to there anyway. Yeah, but you're much better at getting this down in front of you in shield position and cutting. Right? Now what I need you to do is understand that you need to conceal the length of your blade so he doesn't understand, he doesn't know how long it is and so he can't adjust for it. Right? It's the same reason that, uh, or or what they are, right? They disguise the length of the blade. So he doesn't know if you have a short sword or a tanto or a, or a katana, 
we can only see that if you have it at an angle that we can see the whole length. But if you can see the whole length, you're giving them a butt ton of freaking information that he can use against you. Okay, so uh, let's see. Um, I have not seen this explanation for Donon. Whatever you can get through security, anywhere else, excellent answer. I imagine a Gonin would still need an exit strategy if his identity is compromised. Sure. Yeah, but you know the exit, the ultimate exit strategy is as long as your mission is accomplished, even if you lose. Okay, uh, that was in one of the uh, one of the most ninja-like statements in the Karate Kid movies, right? Uh, the one where they went to Okinawa. You know, that, that part of it. If you didn't see the movies, I'm going to bore you here for a minute. But for those of you who know the original stories, right? Uh, when they went to Okinawa, and Miyagi had that long time battle with you know with his best friend turns enemy. Keeps wanting to fight him and all that, and uh, finally the guy shows up because he's rich and he's got this construction company, right? And he shows up at the village, the friggin' bulldozers and stuff, right? He said, "If you don't fight me, the village is gone." And Miyagi finally says, "Okay, I'll fight you. One condition." You know, they go through this whole honor thing. Oh, condition or what? But surely, you know, this one thing is worth your honor, right? But what it came down to was Miyagi said, "I'll fight you if." Regardless of whether or who wins and who loses, the village stays. Okay, great. And then Daniel's, you know, all freaking out, you know, like, oh, what if you get killed? Doesn't matter. Because either way, the village is safe. That's another thing that I think a lot of people in martial arts or that talk about traditional stuff or whatever, um, they're not, they're not so steadfast about their the gateways into their personal space and their paradigms and, and the lines that they draw in the sand, right? It's all good until they're threatened with something or whatever, and then they fold, right? I, I tell everybody on a regular basis, right? I'm a love me or hate me kind of guy. Okay? If you're on the fence about me, you give me half a second because I'm going to push, right? And that goes with sense of humor. That goes with a whole bunch of other things, right? Because if nothing else, I want to know where we stand, right? Um, and it's okay, right? It's it's okay if, if we're not a good fit together. Um, we can part as friends, or you know, at least from my direction, we can, right? But can you imagine the amount of time, effort, resources, energy, stress? Somebody was talking about all that energy and stuff earlier, right? The amount that you save by not just jumping into things because somebody tells you something you want to hear, and then you find out that they lied to you. Well, no shit. You ever sit and sit down for a job interview and bullshit your way through and tell the HR guy anything you think he wants to hear because you're doing that to get the job, right? And then weeks or months later, you're pissed because, well, I don't pay me enough to do this. Did you not know what the pay was when you sat down and they explained it to you and and then they, you know, accepted it and said, hey, we'll give you the job. Here's the hourly rate and all that. Did you think that, like, Three months or three weeks or three days later, they were going to suddenly go, you know what? Let's make him the CEO of the company. Let's do that. Yeah. Right? People get all, people don't need to worry about other people manipulating them, right? We freaking delude and manipulate ourselves, right? And some get pretty freaking woo woo about it. But anyway, uh, what else do we have here? So, um, yeah, I get that a lot that a lot of people haven't described it the same way. What can I tell you? Sorry. Okay. Um, I get that in rape defense seminars too. Not from the same guys. 
from girls, right? Because um, they're told the same bullshit. The same the same bullshit keeps getting cycled around. And the reason that it keeps getting cycled around because nobody does their damn homework, right? Everybody gets information, right, from a teacher or peers or an article that happened to say ninjutsu on it or whatever, right? They just freaking accept it because it's easy, right? He's, he's the expert, right? So, really? That's because since they told me a long time ago, I will lie to you. Now, that pisses a lot of people off because they don't want a teacher lying to them. They want the teacher to tell them everything that they need to know. Yeah, except you need to know how to sort through bullshit and truth. So sometimes you get lied to from a good teacher so that the teacher can assess whether or not you're just this gullible disciple wannabe or you're actually maturing in all your skills, not just how to draw and use a sword, not just how to swing a stick, but all the invisible skills, all the ones that make a difference, right? Any monkey can swing a sword. Yeah, I know. Some monkeys are better. Okay? But you need this strategic thinking and tactical application, right? To be able to beat the fastest, strongest, badass monkey with the sword when you're not that guy. And that's what Nijits is all about. You get everybody still running around trying to be the badass. They argue online and all that. And you know what? I sit back and I watch the monkeys dance. Right? I, a student, she just passed away, and I'm going to miss her for a long, long time. But she had this saying that, you know, I just chuckled at for years, and I, I'm borrowing it. Christy, this is for you, right? And shit like that happens, and I watch, I don't care if it's you or other people, and they do their bullshit arguing, and, you know, from that, from the fence position, I can see where both are right and both are wrong, just about different things. But they're so entrenched in their perspective that they're not listening to their own bullshit and they won't listen to possible solutions coming from the other side because, you know, the other side is fucked, right? The other side is wrong. Before I even stepped up here, the other side is wrong, okay? Well, Christy used to say, I'm going to say it again, right? Not my monkeys, not my circus. This is why you don't see me on other forums. This is why I have my podcast and I have my classes and I have my seminars and all that. I have network of friends and all that, but I don't make the circuits, right? And I'm okay with that, right? It is what it is, right? But it's very difficult to uh, appreciate that you like that answer and that, you know, it was whatever. But I'll tell you something else that that teacher that I that I was talking about at the very, very beginning, right, that we both agree that if we found something better tomorrow that does exactly what we're looking for, but more efficiently, faster, better, whatever, right? We're going to be doing that tomorrow, right? So... But what he um, has always said is, um, right back to the same monkeys. <laughs> I had it. Hold on a second. Um, oh, one of the buttons. I'll come back to it. Right? Sorry, I get all caught up in these things and then I freaking forget. Um, it'll come back. Okay, so let's see if anybody else has anything on here. Uh, I know exactly what you're referring to. I bought a couple of those. Prevents my keys jabbing me in the thighs while they're in my pocket. Yeah, 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 good. But at the same time, right, like when you're looking for things like this, right, people gravitate because they're looking for weapons, right, except that ninja typically do not see their weapons as weapons. They see them as tools. Right? Think about the definition 
that you have. When I say weapon, what do you think of? Something created specifically to cause damage, death, whatever, right? It's a tool of warfare. You're fighting, right? If I say tool, you start thinking hammers and screwdrivers and things that help you get a job done more easily, more effectively, more efficiently, right? But I bet you don't put nearly as much much woo-woo attention and glamour into your hammers as you do to your swords. Sword, dude. Yeah, well, it's a hammer, right? You may not care about your hammer, but if you were a carpenter, you'd give a shit about your hammer, and you care about how much you spent on that hammer because the amount you spent on it equals reliability. Right? Well, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I don't care if my hammer breaks the first time right after the job is done that I bought it because I probably bought a $10 hammer, and I, I'm willing to replace a $10 hammer. Anybody gets pissed off about breaking a $10 hammer, it's high, right? Or probably shouldn't have been doing their own work anyway, right? So, but it's funny to me, right? People do the same thing with their weapons though, right? They'll go and buy a friggin' Asian World of Martial Arts uh, special, right? You buy a cheap sword in Japan, like dads buy their, their boys, right? Um, uh, fairly inexpensive, right? Handmade forged swords for boys day, right? It cuts and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's, it's cheap, right? And cheap, well, cheap 15 years ago was $2,000. Okay? But people think they can get the same thing in Asian world for $99.99. And I'm not saying that you don't get the most that you can afford. Do that. But don't ever, right, confuse the two, right? But anyway, so, but often they don't, right? They'll go through the magazines, right, or the catalogs or whatever and go, no, they want $129 for that. I can get that same sword over here for $89. Both $89, right? Think about what you're doing as a martial artist as a warrior, right? You lived in ancient Japan. Which one of these things would you put your life on the line with, right? That you would trust your life to, right? The friend, right? Who knew nothing but just talked a good show, right? Had Maybe they had high rank or whatever. You know, you look right at him and you go, shit, your privacy sucks, right? Please, don't ever. Uh, the only way I would use you to help me save my family is... You can be the decoy, right? You go that way. You draw their fire, and I'm taking my family that way, right? Um, or, you know, the, the person that, you know, talks differently than everyone else and doesn't say things the way you want to or whatever, but even you get a feeling that there's certain lines. Even with this friendship, we're really, really good friends, but there's certain lines you don't cross, right? And I'm glad that you're my friend because... I would want you on my side in a back alley. Okay? That's the relationship I have with a lot of my friends, right? We are friends, we're warriors, and all that. And so there's, you know, there's there's still that level of respect, though, right? We don't ever want to have to fight each other, right? It's not that, oh, I honor you so much, I, I challenge you. I, I, you know. okay? But same thing with our, with our tools, right? Think about the thing that you're buying. Right? Would you trust it to protect your life? Just sight unseen. Right? Or would you want to know that it's a full or at least two-thirds, three-quarter tang from blade down into the into the tsuko? Because the shorter that is, and the more leverage is placed on the end of that sword relative to that handle, the more likely it is 
to to uh, provide torque and split that little piece out of the handle. And next thing you know, you don't have a sword. You've got a big freaking Yawara stick or a really tiny club. But man, it looks good though, doesn't it? Okay, it's sensei. It's shiny. Yeah, fantastic, right? So is my freaking bean. See, right? But that doesn't mean that you know. <laughs> I'm gonna like go around headbutting everybody, right? So think about this, right? So just again, give it some thought, right? Um, my students get a chance to talk to any of them, whether it's Shane and he's fairly new, or uh, Carl and he's been around uh, not since God made dirt, but since I started this whole uh, mess, what was it, 13, 14 years ago, right? I know some people think because I took time off and then my my podcast popped up, it's like, ooh, ooh, there's a new podcast. No. No, we started freaking long time ago. Uh, but anyway, right? Um, just often my my answers to your questions are questions that lead you to have to go look up stuff that maybe you never even thought about looking up, like context, like how was the weapon made? Because how it's used determines how it's made, and if those two don't go together. You got something that looks good, but it's a piece of shit, and I would not, I wouldn't put my life on the, no, no, okay, anyway, um, what else do I have here, did you ever attend any of the 80s shadows, yes, of course, every single one of them, uh, what were they like, any nostalgia for the early days, any changes, also, did you wear any of the camo gear from those years, um, I wore camo sometimes because I was in the military, and it was, and it was, cheapest uniform I could get because I already owned them, right? What we had for belts, though, see, we had we still had the nine Qs and we still had the black belt levels and all that, um, but that's where the white, green, and black belt um, uh, uh, belt colors came from, right? Um, it was easy. And see, the, the use of the camo stuff, see, a lot of people laugh at that stuff, right? That's a good old boy, Ninja Zoo, and all that kind of stuff, right? I have no idea what kind of mental stuff psychological stuff was going on in that to differentiate ninjutsu so it would not be seen as another martial art option uh, options among martial arts options. And one of those was, even though in Japan they were dressing in martial arts uniforms, we're not going to do that. Okay? So now we can stop focusing on belt color for every single belt, right? And we can focus on the survival aspects, we can focus on this other stuff, right? That 99.9% .9 of the people who were coming to me to, not, not discounting some of the fruitcakes that came in, right? We all had like tons of martial arts experience or law enforcement or security or whatever, right? And so we were looking for something that was atypical. We were looking for something that would give us this edge in a world where there was a Taekwondo school um, at least one in every town, if not, like in some towns, one every 12 blocks, right? So, and everybody was, you go to, you go to martial arts competitions, right? And it didn't matter if they were kung fu or taekwondo or whatever, every once in a while you'd see, like, their own little move, but most, most of the people were doing the same stuff. So, no wonder everybody thought that we were all doing the same thing, right? Um, and then the belt colors came because the white, right? The white belt, of course, you know, in the martial arts, everybody starts with a white belt. Not, not everybody, but we'd have to spare out the ones that don't. Um, 
we use these web belts, these wide web belts, or utility belts, not that many utility belts, but they're utility belts that we in the military uh, wore our canteens on, our holsters, and uh, ammo pouches, and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, as a military policeman, my handcuff case, all that kind of stuff, right? So um, in the military, across the services, uh, people that were in uh, drill and ceremony teams, right? They wore their dress uniforms, and they wore white gloves and a white helmet and all that kind of stuff, right? They wore a white web belt, so they were easy to come by, right? And then most, for combat duty, it was OD green, right? So we used green, right? So white denoted, uh, denoted beginners, and then this OD green covered ninth Q all the way to first Q, okay? Stop worrying about the Q levels and focus on your freaking training, right? Now everybody's got, like, you know, bubblegum colors and all that stuff. So, And I use them, too, except that I only have five, and people go through multiple levels in the same color, in the same color because my colors were chosen because they match colors on the mandala, and that matches the life skills from that side of the training that my students are get, getting, not just all of the combat stuff, right? So anyway, but there was this green, right, and then black, right? Black was the uh, the urban and the SWAT and all that kind of stuff, right? They had these black web belts. Same design, same exact same design. It was just white. We used the white drill and ceremony one. We used the OD combat um, uh, fatigue kind of color, and we used the black for special ops uh, kind of things, right, to denote the different belt colors. Um, but it just, it just, you know. And again, we were taught very, very early on that that was for my teacher, not for me. Even though ego wants to go, oh, look what I got, right? It's so your teacher knows how to explain a technique to you, what you should already understand and what you should be working on, right? And so they can explain the technique, the next piece, for exactly what you need, right? So believe it or not, bell colors aren't for you. I know. People still want them, right? Anyway, uh, nostalgia, uh, sometimes, right? Sometimes because we just trained, right? We just trained. Right? There's no looking over your shoulders to see if Sensei was watching because um, you were hoping that you'd get promoted that time and you brought an extra $300 to cover your rank. You get trained. Okay? I was a white belt for two years. Didn't care. Okay? I had a green belt thrown at me. Here you're ninth grade. Ninth grade. I'm tired of seeing you wear white. My first question to my teacher was, are you sure? And the answer was, don't you ever ask me a damn question like that again. I don't do anything that I'm not sure about. <laughs> so, um, what else did you have as a part of that question? Um, the festivals, what were they like? Um, they were uh, very much like uh, the, uh, as a matter of fact, my spring and fall camps and my daikomyo side, my yearly things, uh, are modeled after those old uh, camps where there is a theme. Uh, I teach pretty much based on that theme through the weekend, but uh, there's a couple of time slots on on the different days where I have guest instructors. Some are my uh, senior students in my school. Some are friends that, you know, whatever, they come in. Uh, some are long-distance students that have significant rank and all that. And they come in and uh, they do breakout sessions that may or may not fit that um, that weekend's theme. Uh, case in point, uh, I had a student who was a physician's assistant in real life. He was an Army doctor, right? And so he did uh, a breakout session during one of our camps on emergency medicine in the field, right? Uh, we've had breakout sessions that covered disguise and impersonation. We had, we've had, 
not everything was wrapped around nothing but tidy food. Okay? And these things started way back in the day. There were these night stealth exercises where we would do some training on different types of stealth and all that, and then there would be this scenario presented to you. People would be divided into teams, and they would have to sneak back into camp or the training area or whatever and apply their stealth training um, and not get caught by the instructors or, in some cases, outsiders that were brought in to be security and, um, you know, pin you down, put you in zip cuffs, put you in a security room until the event was over because you got caught. That kind of stuff. You know, fun stuff. Anyway, uh, so um, I, I'm not a big nostalgic guy, but if any of it leaks out, it's in that there was there was stuff about that training that drew people to it and has had a lot of people go away from the art because I got to tell you, the modern image of what's going on is that much of the art that I was introduced to by Tsumi Sensei and the early teacher, right? Ninjutsu was this full embodiment, three levels of training, physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual, that kind of thing, matches the Kuji, right? If you look at the Kuji, the nine-syllable seals, right? Three are physical, three are psychological, three are... Part of the psychological going into the last three are what our modern science here in the West would, would equate to certain uh, aspects of like ESP and stuff like that. So, but we did all that stuff. We did uh, practice drills and all that to, pre to prepare ourselves for uh, the fifth on test, right? And that sensitivity and feeling intent, uh, things like that. Uh, things that, you know, in today's world, people are like, hey, you know, there's no way to practice with that, right? You either have it or you don't. Bullshit. People that say things like that don't have an answer for you. So since they've blown it off and they're just lucky that they were able to pass it, right? Matter of fact, I was told once uh, when I was uh, prepping for, well, I wasn't prepping, the test was that night, right? We were in uh, Atlanta for my, uh, I was going to do my fifth on test that I had held off for years, right? Um, but uh, I was, I was it was the end of training day, we're going to do dinner, and then, no, actually, we had to go do the test, right? And it wasn't quite time yet. I was okay with being the last one in the door, whatever. I was just trying to keep myself calm, all that stuff, right? And um, this tenth don comes up to me, and he says, don't worry about this, man. I've been watching you train for a long time. Um, you got this, right? And besides that, right, just keep this in mind. You're going to do way better than well over half the tenth dons that are currently holding that rank. You know, they don't have to take the test. That, that was five ranks ago. I know, I know, right? Once they got past that fifth don test, right, either they weren't told or they forgot that the fifth don test is, while it is a, I mean, it's a significant benchmark in your training, it's the access point for a whole new realm of training that involves that Perception of intent, right? People don't do that shit, right? So his big thing was most of these tenthons would fail the test if they had to sit down and take it again because ego is now in the way, right? They're now a tenth on, right? Oh, my God. What if I fail this? 
what my students think, what anybody else think. I lose all my credibility. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know if that covered even half of what you were asking, but um, yeah, I just uh, I I smile when people speak about these other things because everybody assumes that the art is done correctly and it's always been done that way, the way it looked when they got involved. It's the same like in my school, if I do a membership drive, right? The students that came in because they were sponsored by a friend who brought them to class will always help with the membership drive. The ones that saw a post online or an ad in the paper or something like that, they, they don't help. Nine out of ten of them, nine, nine out of ten will not help because they assume that everybody gets involved the way they did through an ad or a phone call or something like that. Right? So this is just, all these things are highlights into these different psychologies and different, different, uh, aspects of, of our, our processes, right? And we have to be careful what we assume about, right? But they, they, people laugh about that stuff. What I've had the benefit of, of seeing since 1980, is all of the different phases that the training has gone through, and then I get to sit back and watch people piss and moan and argue and, and whatever, right? Everything from, this is the way it's done right, and this is what, whatever, right? And really, they're two completely different things, to um, uh, two people arguing, and, and this is a true story, right? I heard two people arguing. And I knew them both, and I was in the training thing when Atsumi Sensei gave them their little critique, right? And one guy's saying, Sensei said you need to take bigger steps. And this other guy's like, no, he said you need to take smaller steps, right? And they're arguing back and forth, right? You know, they were both friends, and I said, dude, you two need to listen to what he said. Oh, I didn't listen to what he said. Yeah, but you need to listen to what he's saying to you. If he said you need to take a bigger step or a little step in the context of a big class, that's one thing. But if he's looking right at you and says, oh, good taijutsu, bigger steps, he's talking to you. Your steps are too little. If he's looking at you and says, oh, good taijutsu, smaller steps, he's talking to you. Your steps are too big. You need smaller steps. Stop freaking arguing with other people that since they said, because... Ego has this other thing that it depersonalizes mistakes. It personalizes rewards, right? Oh, see what I did? That was awesome, right? But mistakes? Well, you ever notice how when you make this kind of a mistake and then that thing kind of happens? No, I don't. That doesn't happen to me. Well, I didn't. I was talking about you. I was talking about me. Now you said you, right? You didn't say I. You said you. Try to catch yourself on those things, right? Personal clarity. This is all part of Seishin Teki work. First aspect of training in the tobacco day school. Personal clarity. Anyway. All right. So uh, Shane says, I love it. Thanks, sir. Thanks for the answers. Cool. Oh, all right. I guess I earned my key. I'm, I'm sure I don't have one fan because I blocked him. So uh, and if he's still hanging out in the background pouting because he didn't get what he wanted. So um, I'm not playing that game, right? You don't get to show up at my seminars. And teach your thing. If you're going to do that, don't use the money I spent on marketing and getting people into this group. Throw your own damn seminars, right? I would never go to my teacher's places and go, oh, you know what? I'm going to waste all the money I spent to get here and try to convert people to my way of doing things. 
when what I was supposed to do was spend this money and time and, and you know, adjusting my schedule and making agreements with work and my family and all that to have time away and everything so that I could go and be in student mode. And I know some of you have heard me talk about this before, especially those of you who are teachers. Never, ever, 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 ever confuse your training time with teaching time. Way too many instructors are practicing their shit when they're supposed to be teaching their students. Okay? The mindset's different. When I'm in student mode, I am in present tense pointing forward. I learned all this stuff. I'm at this level of development. I'm asking questions and getting lessons so that I can move forward. Present to future tense. Okay? When I'm on the floor teaching, I'm in past to present tense. In the present moment, moment, I am teaching my students that which I have learned and developed. This is not about me moving forward. This is about them moving forward. Parents need to learn this too. Stop telling your kids yes to everything. You're doing them a disservice because they're just going to piss us off when they get out into the adult world. Okay? So, anyway. Um, okay, cool. So, I'll say, thanks for giving me more questions. It's my job, dude. Okay? Any, any, if you ask a question and you get an answer that satisfies you, either your mental state and development level for that is not mature enough to move you forward. It's saving you, just like a kid, right? Daddy, how does an engine work? Well, I turn on this thing right here and it starts. Okay. Right? Because am I going to explain to a four-year-old how an internal combustion engine works? And if I do, <laughs> right in the middle of my explanation, I guarantee you, my, well, he'll be four in two years, but my grandson's going to look at me and go, can I have some candy? Because it's just overwhelming him. He's just, right? He's not ready for it. Right? So instructors need to freaking focus on what it means to be a good instructor and not a damn show off and credibility whore and all that kind of stuff. Right? Pain in the ass. Right? Had to fire students. Right? Yes, I fire clients. Okay. They need me. I don't, I don't need them. If I needed them, then my ego would be looking for um, gratification outside of myself. Right? I got that god or guru syndrome. Right? Like that individual that I have to politely leave in the following the chat. <laughs> right? Your problem is you're stuck in the material. Click. This is not a, a forum. This is not a political debate. My podcast. Get the hell out. Anyway, all right. So, what else? Let me scroll down here and see if I missed anybody. Thanks for the answers. I love it. Thanks. Cool. All right. Um, anything else? You know what? I don't. I don't know that I'm getting things. Most of these are coming in from YouTube. It looks like. Where the hell are all my peeps on? There's somebody from Facebook. Oh, that was Jason. Jason, if you're still on, uh, you need to get your butt to class. 
Sensei Jesse will have a conversation in the most loving way. Let me just check and see if anybody else posted anything that for whatever reason didn't come through um, before we wrap this up. So let's see. You guys do know that I'm on Facebook, not because I'm following everybody else's crap or whatever, but because it gives me a forum to communicate with um, my clients, which is why you don't see me um, posting about a lot of family things and all that. You don't need to see um, family drama and all that kind of crap. Uh, I don't... Where? No. The biggest fool is the person who said that they know it all. Way to go, Greg. Absolutely. All right. So I guess I did find some other ones. Previous comments. Holy crap. You ever notice that some people are more full of shit than an ass? Um, all right, I don't see anything else, and I'm not going to keep chasing it down. So I'll go through and see if any other comments came up or whatever. But uh, let's see. Deep lessons like bruises and sore legs after a weekend at the dojo. Lessons learned and time well invested. All right. Uh, cool. Thanks. Let's see. Okay, so that, that brings up another point. Um, <laughs> all right, Jason, don't be starting shit. Anyway, um, so uh, fall camp for this year, right, is November 5th, 6th, and 7th. Okay. Uh, if you want information on that and or you want to get uh, signed up before the deadline is up, and I, I don't think it's up just yet, are we? Ooh, might be pretty close. Uh, I had a couple of early registration discount kind of things. Um, uh, if the code works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, you just lose, you lose kind of thing. Um, Online Ninja Academy, all ensuring, Online Ninja Academy dot com forward slash events. You go there, um, you'll see some information on a couple of uh, gun seminars that have been postponed. Uh, uh, and then fall camp, right, November 5th, 6th, and 7th. Um, we have a live and a virtual um, option for these things. Um, but don't let that be the excuse that you stay home, right? You, right? That's what Mr. has always said. Successful people in any field have spent minimum three times more in time, effort, money, resources, energy than anybody else getting what they getting to where they are, right? And for us to shoot them down or anybody to shoot them down, right? Well, he's rich, so he must be screwing people over. Uh, you know, he, he got that rank because, you know, not what he knows, but who he knows. You know what? Envy pride. Pride goes before the fall. Envy is just bullshit. Right? It just makes us feel good for not doing the work to getting where we want. That reminds me of a story. <laughs> I was at a, uh, I was at a, at an event with, um, a friend. As a matter of fact, well, it was one of my students. And, um, uh, I took him to the seminar and, uh, he was starstruck, right? And he, uh, Walks up with my teacher. I, I do the formal introduction because that's a traditional Japanese thing, but even in the West, right? Uh, and he, he's just, you know, all glow, right? Stars twinkling in the eyes. And he goes, oh, I've always wanted to meet you. I've always wanted to train with you. And my teacher looks at me 
looks back at the student. We're, we're both smiling because I know an answer's coming. Looks back at my student and he goes, apparently not enough. And he walked away. And my student looks at me like he'd just been punched in the face. And I said, I told you he was going to say that. I told you not to say that dumbass thing. Even if it were true, right? Because people that want something bad enough will find a freaking way to do it. No excuses. Does that mean they have no problems, no challenges, no setbacks? They're not short of money, time? No. They figure it out. One of the primary combat principles in several of our lineages. Shinenfuro to you, Tagagi Yoshi to you, Koto to you, Gyoko to you, Togakure to you. They all have either as a part of their their lineage-specific strategic way of operating, or there's a kata or four, right, that the feeling in the technique is find the way. The whole mentality is find the way. Find the most natural way, find the easiest way, find the way. You don't you don't assume, you don't expect, you let him show you the way. Right? You figure it out and you execute on it. Right? You do what needs to be done. Don Mitsu, the triple secrets. Right? You don't just have a goal and make a plan and do it. As a part of the mind part, the thought, it's not really the thought, it's fear, right? It's the committed intent that I will die before I don't make it. And there's just not enough people that have that kind of commitment. They want the teacher to come to them, they want the shit for free, they want, they want, they want, they want, they want, they want. How's it feel to want? I know, doesn't feel good, but do something about it. Stop expecting everybody else to fucking do it for you. I don't mean you guys, because you're all enlightened. So, anyway. All right. Uh, I don't see anything else, and we're already an hour and a half in, so I should probably stop talking. Any other questions? Um, Tiger, thanks. I appreciate it. Jason, it's always fun to see you, because you're just... Anyway, uh, Mr. Beerley's on. Um, let's see. Greg Leonard, Carl, it's oh, good to see you guys. Shane, 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 class dude, right? Or a feedback video showing me that you are a glow with a wonderful aura, right? Um, I know, I just publicly said something, whatever. All right, let's do this. All right, so last chance, going, going. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I can maybe switch things over here. So uh, fall camp, November 5th, 6th, and 7th, and then Daikomyosai. Uh, we move ours out into January because December, everybody and their brother's trying to do a freaking Daikomyosai, right? Um, so it's a belated birthday celebration for Hakumi Sensei. It corresponds with my birthday weekend, uh, but it's really a New Year's kickoff kind of thing. Evaluate what you did last year. Reset. We do one of these GOMA goal-setting active meditation kind of things. Uh, really, really cool stuff. Really, really powerful weekend. Um, that is December 7th, 8th, and 9th, right, of 2022, right? Hopefully, you can make some of that stuff. Uh, if you go to the online ninja academy.com, uh, forward slash events, you'll also see that I have the dates set out for spring and fall of 2022 as well. Not sure at the moment if I have the dichromio side for 2023 already on the schedule or not, but. Let's do this. Let's keep moving forward. Uh, if you have any questions or things that you would like for me to cover during a Kuden, uh, 
podcast kind of thing, uh, you can go to the Facebook page, Kuden uh, Podcast, Kuden Podcast, uh, on Facebook and leave a, um, leave a topic suggestion kind of thing, right? Or ask a question, whatever. Uh, and if not, if you're on my mailing list, you can, uh, shoot me an email, right? If you're not on my email list, why the hell not? Right? If you're not on my email list, uh, you can generally send emails to Warrior C, W-A-R-R-I-O-R. Be surprised the people that are native English speakers that can't spell the thing they're trying to be. Warrior and the letter C at warrior-concepts-online.com. Uh, and I'll get it. My students get first dibs on me, so it could take 24 to 72 hours to, for me to get an answer back to you, but I try to answer everything. Uh, if I don't, then I didn't get it or it went to junk or whatever. So um, you have no idea how much I get in a day, not just the commercial spam and all that for people from around the world. Like, so I'm saying, will you fly to Portland, Oregon and train me in my apartment and for free, too? Uh, I will not. So uh, pay me a come, right? $5,000 for the weekend, right? So that's okay. I'll pay for my own meals, airfare, rent a car, and all that. It's coming out of that five grand. But um, if you're asking me and making Muhammad come to you or the mountain come to you, then um, anyway. All right. So it was an honor. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to wrap this up. I will talk to everybody again in episode 81 or before. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.